Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Good evening. <laughs> Hello to all of our friends from around the world and across the United States. We're so happy to have you here with us. If you are listening for the first time, welcome to the show. We hope you enjoy it, and we hope that you come back each and every Friday for the new episodes that will be posted. And if you like what you hear, go ahead, hit like and subscribe, and uh, whenever a new episode pops up, you'll be notified. Uh, this evening we are going to be doing the second part of our Rosewell story. Now, last week we told you the story of Letitia Dalton, the woman who was more than just a little obsessed with the house that she lived not too far away from, the Rosewell Manor. And so now we're going to follow that story up with your experience, Dad, in the early 70s when you and a news crew that you worked with, decided to do a Halloween special. And we're going to find out what happened when you went to the burned-out remains of the Rosewell Mansion. Yes, indeedy. Buckle your seatbelts, uh, everyone. This is going to be uh, quite a uh, thrilling ride, I hope. Um, <clears throat> and as Gary mentioned, uh, we learned about really an incredibly beautiful colonial Virginia mansion called Rosewell. And if you recall from last week, it was built to rival the Regal Governor's Palace in nearby Williamsburg. And we also learned last week, Gary, um, that uh, the almost 200-year-old mansion burned down in 1916 due to a fire of unknown or mysterious origin. Yes, yes, yes. Now, the, I believe that the descendant of the Page family, the original owners of the home, he felt when he spoke to you that it was due to maybe... Uh, a cinder coming out uh, of the fireplace spark. and igniting the carpet mm -hmm. that went right up to the edge of the hearth, and then that's what caused it. But it could be that Letitia didn't want to let go of that house, and even in death, she was going to take it with her. Yes, and uh, the person you're referring to, his name was Cecil Page. He was at least 80, possibly in his 80s, <clears throat> back in uh, 1970, when... Uh, the, uh, we uh, first met him, uh, and uh, he had that he had that theory about the cause of the mysterious fire. And one of the unusual things that uh, we shared with the audience last week, which I find kind of interesting, is it was 1916, and the house had no plumbing. Even in 1916, it had no plumbing, so there was no running water to put the fire out. That's, that's so crazy. <clears throat> and even though they had a telephone, it was locked away in a cabinet in the room where the fire originated. They couldn't get to it. And who yeah. would they call? Because it turns out the county didn't even have a fire department. Go figure. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the, if you missed the last week's episode, you might want to um, listen in on that to get the background on Rosewell because it has a lot of interesting facts such as those. And Gary, you mentioned Letitia Dalton um, <clears throat> and... Uh, the people who uh, lived in the neighborhood uh, told us that uh, hers is the malevolent spirit that um, is said to hover over 
Rosewell. Right. So how, how did I get there? Well, this was the fall of 1970, <clears throat> as you mentioned, uh, getting on toward Halloween. And I was uh, working as a weekend newscaster for WVEC Television in uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia. Uh, several of my fellow broadcasters and crew members decided uh, to put the uh, Halloween special that year together by going out on location and visiting several of the haunted houses <clears throat> in the area. Now, uh, in this part of Virginia, and I think throughout Virginia, if you had an old home, um, it had to have some kind of haunted story connected with it. Otherwise, it just wasn't worth its salt. So just about every old home in Virginia had its own haunted story connected with it. Lots to choose from. Sure. That's what makes it uh, so unique mm -hmm. yeah. in Virginia. And so we identified several area haunted houses. Uh, we couldn't include them all, of course. And then what we decided, we'd have some fun with this little assignment, and we decided uh, we'd make uh, some late-night excursions to fill them right around the haunting hour of midnight, right? Mm. And uh, we figured our television audience would really enjoy seeing these stories. And the most iconic, the most well-known location, and to this day in my mind, the creme de la creme Rolls-Royce of haunted houses is Rosewell oh, in Gloucester I County. Agree. And folks, you can actually Google Rosewell in Gloucester County, and they do have images and even YouTube. You can find videos of what this building looks like that we're talking about, and you'll see it, the burned-out shell. Mm -hmm. And um, on um, eBay, I think they also have uh, some copies of some of the original diagrams of the house the way it looked when it was in all of its glory oh yeah you can find blueprints yeah now we were a, a group of young single guys and we determined to have a lot of fun with this assignment so uh gary uh, you're gonna appreciate this the we started our evenings off with a delicious fried oyster dinner at a place called sewell's ordinary and and that restaurant by the way uh, had its own history attached to it it served as lafayette's headquarters during the uh, climactic Revolutionary War battle at nearby Yorktown. So what a oh. meal and what ambience, right? Absolutely. And in this area of Gloucester County, Virginia, fried oysters were to die for. They were absolutely mind boggling You'd like oysters if you ate them there, trust me. <laughs> I have not had oysters <laughs> yet, but I will take your word for it. So then uh, we uh, took a short drive uh, to a dirt road, and that led to the ruins of Rosewell. And uh, after a few minutes of driving slowly down this single lane, unlit country dirt road, we came to a large cornfield. And we parked by the side of the road. We hauled our broadcast uh, equipment through the cornfield, which led up to the mansion. And suddenly the ruins popped into view. And what happened next is hard to believe. It's, uh, it's absolutely incredible to this day. Uh, but it happened. Trust me, this happened. You walking through the mm -hmm. cornfield. That happened, folks. Mm -hmm. He walked through a cornfield. Corn mm -hmm. <clears throat> After eating a delicious fried oyster dinner with their specialty sweet coleslaw. Now, uh, Tony, uh, his name was Tony Burden, and uh, he was um, a weekend anchor guy at WVEC-TV. And so he had the camera, and then there was a light uh, guy with the lights. And there was me, and I was carrying the reel-to-reel uh, -reel, um, audio recorder. Tape, okay. tape recorder. So we got uh, to Rosewell after dinner about uh, 9 o'clock at night, 
as I mentioned, uh, the cornfield was all unlit. So we set out by foot under moonlight, <coughs> and we got to the ruins, and then we started setting up the camera and started setting up the uh, TV lights. We got the ruins lit just right. We're about to roll camera, and then, as bad luck would have it, mm. or was it something else other than bad luck? Oh, who knows? It started to rain. I mean, it started to really pour down rain, and it didn't seem like it was going to let up. And I recall to this day, which is uh, more than a half a century later, Mm -hmm. I recall I had a light windbreaker on, and what I did was I pushed the small portable audio recorder underneath my windbreaker to keep it sheltered from the rain so it wouldn't get soaked. I remember doing that. Wow. So I can assure you it was raining. Now... We hurried back to the car and said, ah, you know, that's pretty bad luck, but right. let's come uh, next week and have another fried oyster and sweet coleslaw dinner and get it next week. Sure, why not? Oh, yeah. There wasn't too much uh, argument about that. So we got back to the station and we uh, put our heads together about a reschedule. And then, then we started thinking and talking. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When we were running out of that cornfield... The ground was dry. Like bone dry? Yeah. Now, how could that be? I put that tape recorder under my jacket to shelter it from this pouring down rain right there at the Rosewell ruins. Sure. How, how could that cornfield have been so dry? We looked down at our feet. There was no mud on our feet. I mean... Uh, and you were out there in the rain? Yeah. And, and the dirt road where we had parked? That was powder dry. There was no mud we started to think, holy smoke, maybe it, it rained just over the mansion. Wouldn't that be a strange uh, occurrence? The rain cloud just dropping all of this water right over the mansion, which mm-hmm. foiled our attempt to film it. Right. And yet, leaving the area, we weren't bothered by rain at all. So uh, Tony contacted the uh, local weather bureau, And uh, the official on duty said, hey, wait a minute. There was no rain anywhere in the area. It couldn't have been possible. The conditions weren't right. So there's nothing showing that there was any rain. But you guys experienced it, and yet your feet were not covered in mud, and the road that you came in on, which was a dirt road, was completely dry. No mud whatsoever. No runoff from the rain. At this point, uh, our, uh, you know, the whole situation got our undivided attention, and we were determined that we would be going back to Rosewell the following weekend. Oh, oh of course. Oh, ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, <clears throat> the guys, uh, having a sense of humor, decided, uh, let's bring along our girlfriends. Maybe mm. we can scare them. <laughs> and uh, Tony had a large dog. I think he was a Labrador, and his name was Moose. So he said, you know, animals can sometimes sense things that humans can't, so let's take Moose along to see if he comes up with anything. So next weekend, after another fabulous dinner at Sewell's Ordinary, those fried oysters, once again, I can't get them out of my mind now, uh, we arrive at the mansion, and the girls... um, 
get separated from us. They didn't have enough patience to hang with us while we were setting up the lights, setting up the tripod for the camera. Sure. They decided to go exploring a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, hmm. We noticed they were missing. They didn't come back. So we stopped once we had everything set up to film and decided we better go find out where they are and what they're doing. And when we found them, Gary, they were petrified. They were too petrified to move. Yes. They were standing next to some empty graves. Uh -huh. Now, <clears throat> we later found out Mm -hmm. that uh, the Page family, thats the fa that was the family graveyard, right? and the Page family <clears throat> were buried there. And we found out that, um, oh, maybe 50 years or so ago, uh, they decided to remove the um, coffins to a better-kept cemetery. Ah, uh. And so they took them out. They didn't bother to fill the holes. And so you had just left it empty graves there where the caskets once were. So there was a, a logical explanation. But, you know, when you're out there at 11 o'clock at night at something that's supposed to be a haunted house and a malevolent evil spirit is supposed to hover over it and you come across some empty holes in the ground that are obviously graves you do tend to get a little concerned. So the girls' yes. imaginations were uh, flying around at 100 miles an hour at this point. <clears throat> we got them back with us, and uh, <clears throat> Tony was ready to roll some film. You're not going to believe this, Gary, but you know that I don't exaggerate on things like this. It again started to rain, and again it was a downpour. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so... Once again, we couldn't film this the second weekend in a row. And yeah. we could not film Rosewell. Uh, rain again, a downpour, but this time it was different. This time there was mud everywhere. Now, as we ran back to the car, because we didn't have any protection against the rain, uh -huh. this swarm of flies came up out of the cornfield and chased us. Really? A swarm of flies. Now, I didn't know much about the paranormal back then, so I had no way of reading anything into a swarm of flies. Uh -huh. But uh, this swarm of flies just rose up from the cornfield and, and literally chased after us. So we, we got to the first car, and um, Moose had been, uh, we kept Moose in the car at that point. And so we opened the door, the car light went on, and I had left uh, an, my Army fatigue cap there in the seat. And the first thing we saw was that there was blood all over my army fatigue cap. Oh, no. Yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, we discovered that Moose's paw was bleeding. Now, Moose didn't get out of the car at all. Right. But so I don't know. He must have bitten his paw or I don't know what he did, but his paw was bleeding a little bit. Not, not serious. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't anything serious, but it was bleeding. And then, of course, he stamps around and puts blood marks all over my cap right and it's just not the thing that you're ready to uh, see under all of these conditions late at night haunted house malevolent spirit right rained out again the girls running from a open graves a swarm of flies chasing us blood in the car uh -huh. so at this point the girls just want to go home and so that was it no night's over no that night's over so 
as we are leaving and looking back, I kid you not, the rain stopped Mm -hmm. as we were leaving, and I saw a strange orange glow in the sky, which was just over the mansion. Mm. An orange glow in the sky just over the mansion. So we get back to the TV station. We developed the little film that we did roll, and it all came out black. Now, these are professional photographers at a TV station. Oh, sure. And so uh, they, don't, they don't roll stuff with the lens cap on the cameras. No. Like and so anyways, the film came out all black, and we used 16-millimeter film back in the day. That was before you had right. digital. So at this point, we conceded to uh, Letitia Dalton, and uh, Rosewell never ended up on television. Yeah. Now, uh, when you left, you uh, you had a souvenir. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Cecil um, allowed us uh, or gave us permission to, you know, uh, each um, take one of the um, bricks that was right. that were scattered on the ground. There were hundreds of them, hundreds and hundreds of them scattered all over the grounds. The ruins were deteriorating sure. by the week and the month. Now uh, it's all protected, and you can't take bricks. But back then, he he allowed us to get, have a souvenir brick, and so we had these, you know, three uh, hundred year old bricks that came from the special quarry in England that had the rose tint about them and right. the oyster shell mortar on them that was put on uh, probably by slaves uh, or at least indentured servants here in the New World in colonial Virginia, and uh, and so that brick uh, was a very historic. An unusual souvenir, which we have kept in our family all through the years, but um, I'm not sure that was a good thing to do. No, uh, it seems as though the the brick is cursed, right? (laughs) That's how I like to refer to it. Now, um, I remember you told us the the story of Letitia Dalton. You told us the story growing up of of what happened when you went to the, uh, the site. And I remember what you told us about when you brought the brick to the school that you were working at, because you were teaching full-time, right? Yes. uh, I was working at the uh, TV station on weekends and uh, teaching school Monday through Friday. And uh, it was, um, I believe it was, uh, it was, they call them junior high schools back then. So it was a a junior high school. And uh, anyhow, every Halloween, I would uh, bring the brick in. Right tell the Letitia Dalton story, get everybody all spooked, and then say, now this is a haunted brick. Is there anyone here brave enough to come up and put their hand on it? Touch it. Mm. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll I'll do that. You know, the the guys, they had no problem, you know. uh, Oh, yeah, we'll do that. So put the hand on the brick. Nah, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And so... um, well, that's not the end of the story. No. The first kid that put his hand on the brick, that following weekend, he was camping out in the loft of his barn with a, a friend. Yeah. And he accidentally fell out of the loft and broke his hand. Guess which hand he broke? The hand that touched the brick. The hand that touched the brick. Then... Um, within another week, one of the kids was helping his dad change the license plates on the car and his hand slipped 
across the license plate and it cut the hand and guess which hand it was that got cut the hand that touched the brick mm-hmm. and then um the last one had an injury in which um his uh, finger got caught in the car door uh, and all of this is uh, happening you know within a few weeks and um it, guess which hand that was oh i bet our viewers can guess the hand that, that touched, touched the, the brick, brick. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I said, ooh, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm not bringing this brick back to school because this is too crazy. This is too weird. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the end of that. Now, uh, by the time the brick got to our house, it was in a wooden case. And I'm sure you got the wooden case way before then. Mm-hmm. But you had this uh, ornate wooden case that was made in Virginia. The, uh, the brick was kept in. And I remember you bringing it out, telling us the story, showing it to us. And uh, at one point, I was too terrified to touch the brick because of the story. But then uh, by the time I was 12 or 13, I think I got a little too cocky. <laughs> and not only did I touch the brick, but I picked that thing up and I scrubbed it under my arms and on my chest like a bar of soap. <laughs> and about uh, a week and a half later... Uh, I ended up going to the hospital because my appendix had ruptured. <laughs> I mean, it could be a coincidence. You oh, know, people lose their appendix all the time. Uh, yeah. Bricks don't cause appendicitis. No, of course not. Of course not. Not even cursed bricks. No. Um, so I, I would say that would be the end of that. But then there was the uh, the time that uh, mom had touched it. And within about a week after touching the brick by accident, because she's very superstitious. My mother is superstitious. But, but uh, she, she accidentally she touched accident, the brick. She accidentally touched the brick when she was cleaning. And about a week or two after that, um, she was bitten by a dog. On the finger. On the finger of the hand that touched the brick. And within a few days of being bit, uh, she developed a bone infection. And within a few weeks uh, or a month or two, she eventually had to have her finger amputated. Yeah. Um, and it was the same hand that touched the brick. Now, that being said, she has never gone near it since. And uh, it wasn't until maybe like two or three years ago you bought a little glass case to put the uh, brick in. Not because we think it's cursed. Of course not. I mean, it could all just be self-fulfilling prophecy or, you know, um, letting our imagination uh, just build up the coincidence between the two uh, events happening. Now, that brick uh, lies only about um, 10 or 15 feet away from where I'm sitting at the moment. That's true. And as you say, it's enclosed in glass, so nobody can touch it accidentally. And it even has a a little paper warning that you do not touch this brick. That's right. That's right. Now, and here's the other thing, too. There was was two other incidences uh, because we had brought it to my high school, and you told the story to, because we did, when I was in high school, we did what was called a spooktacular. And uh, we did it with uh, the chorus class there at my school. And uh, one of the girls that was there, her boyfriend, decided he was going to touch it. And I ran into him a few weeks after that. And he said, believe it or not, because he was was very, uh, he didn't believe any of the the whole hubbub about it. But he said, "Uh, you won't believe it. And I said, what? And he showed me his hand, and it was all bandaged up. I said, well, what happened to you? And he goes, When I went home that evening, uh, 
something ha- something had happened, and the mirror in his room had shattered, and uh, had cut up his hand. It was the same hand that touched the brick, mm. and another person. Uh, had uh, there were only two people that night that had touched it. The other person, uh, about a week later, uh, had jammed her uh, finger uh, playing basketball during gym. The same hand that touched the brick. Again, it's all probably coincidence. You know, we things happen and we we assign it to you know bad luck uh, or whatever. Or so, it could be that evil spirit of Letitia Dalton who is inside and around that brick which would mean she's in this very building with us at the moment or maybe just a piece of her yeah who knows who knows i wonder if i should uh throw it out in the trash no no you can't do that not not with a 300 well now it'd be what 400 years old no it's still 300 300 uh, years old yeah 300 something so no we, we we keep it we keep it guarded you know so uh so nobody else can touch it. Yeah. But we can t- still Isn't tell that, the story. That's quite a, a, a whole list of strange coincidences. So, uh, but, but coincidences nonetheless. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Could a right. brick really be haunted? No, I don't think so. But I'm not going to um, put that idea in people's minds so that they touch it and injure themselves because, you know, that's a self, what we call a self-fulfilling prophecy. prophecy. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's just like if you uh, spill salt or uh, whatever, break accidentally break a mirror. It's seven years bad luck. So, so Rosewell is with us uh, in brick form, one brick out of uh, the thousands uh, that uh, made up the mansion, and uh, we have some fond memories of Cecil Page back then and his stories. And uh, if you uh, heard us last week, you also heard uh, us mention that Cecil said there have been more lies told about Rosewell than any other house in America. <laughs> there you go and that says it all doesn't it yeah yeah so well it's that time i'm richard and i'm still here and i'm gary and i still have both of my arms and hands and hands and uh we hope you enjoyed the show and uh, like i said if you're new and you liked what you heard look for new episodes every friday wherever you get your podcasts from